Well, I am excited. Uh, we get to dig in again, yes. talking about the fivefold. And I think we've had some powerful times these last couple of times looking at the fivefold. Yes, sir. But it's interesting. The more we talk about it, the more there is to discover. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It sounds like scripture to me. Oh, come on now. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like the Bible to me. <laughs> I love how the word is line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. And so the more you dig into scripture, the more there is to discover. Amen. And um, I used to hear an old teacher I loved. He would say, it's like digging through cotton candy. That's good. I like that. Yes, sir. He said, you know, cotton candy is something. Yeah. He said, the more you dig through it, the more it wraps around you. Right. Ah. He said, the more you go through it, the more it gets on you. Yes, sir. And that's the beauty of it. You know, there's so much in the word, but it'll never stick to you till you dig into it. That's good. Yes, sir. And so let's dig into these things God has given us. I have a question for you. Sure. What has spoken to you when we've looked at these things about the fivefold over the last couple of sessions? Because it's really been stretched out now over a couple of months. Right. Because we've had to do them piecemeal. That's right. Yeah. But what has spoken to you the most about it? I think the uh, the fact of the balance of the, especially the last podcast in regards to all the voices, mm. having every voice of the fivefold in your life. Just yes. so on a personal, not so much corporate mm. level, but the revelation of the fivefold mattering for you personally on your individual walk. Yes. And so are you being fed through the apostle, through the prophet, mm. through the evangelist and having those inputs in your life to bring balance. That's probably actually been my favorite teaching so far from this that I Excellent. didn't realize actually. Fantastic. And so making sure I'm receiving mm. from each of those streams or sources yes. for balance. Well, I love when scripture talks about, um, talks about the five pools. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, yes, when yes. you look at the pools of Bethesda. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so it's five pools there. When you look at the five pools of Bethesda, when you begin to understand that when Jesus is coming to heal, this is the place where the angel would heal every year. Right. And the angel would come around the pools of Bethesda, and Jesus shows up and says, Sir, do you want to be healed? I do want to be healed, but I have no one to put me in the water. Now, if we understand the fullness of what this is um, uh, revealing to us, those five pools, just like there were five steps, porches for oh, Solomon. That's right. Solomon's ah, porch. Yes. See, we're going to we're going there. See, now. This is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but there were also five cities or five kings to conquer for Joshua. OK, that's right. So when you look throughout scripture, this number five is a revelation of the fullness of God's grace. It is God's empowerment to become what you weren't before. So the pools was an encounter with God for the healing power to become whole again. Amen. The five steps of Solomon was the progression of stepping into a new dimension in your walk with God or in your ability to perceive who God was. The five kings were the five things you conquer in order to have full dominion. So whenever you see this five show up over and over, and we could go through this over and over and over, but this number five is a revelation of grace. One is a revelation of God. God stands alone. He needs no one else but himself. Two is the revelation of agreement. If any one or two of you shall agree, if any two or three of you shall agree, two is about agreement. Three is a revelation of kingdom. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Faith, hope, love, righteousness, peace, and joy. 
So we see over and over, three is the revelation of the kingdom. Four is the revelation of cycles, the four winds of the earth, the four weeks to make a month. Um, so four over and over, cycles. When we get to five, we go to the progression from cycles now to grace, the fullness of manifestation, the grace of God. So the fivefold ministry is God's grace upon the church to become mature in the earth. That's good. Yes, sir. And so not necessarily the unmerited favor. No. But the empowerment. Yes. To become that which he has called you to be. Absolutely. Unmerited favor, which is what most people um, describe grace as. Now, what I'm giving is not a new definition, because if you look in the very Strong's Concordance, go to Strong's Concordance. The second definition for grace is the one I'm using. I see. Okay. The first one, which is the one we often use, is unmerited favor. But that one only applies about 20% of the time. The rest of the times in the New Testament, it's not referring to unmerited favor. It's referring to the power to become what you were not before. The power to do under God's power what you could not produce under your power. I love that. Yes, sir. So when God says, so when Paul says, by the grace of God, I'm come unto you, it doesn't make sense to say by the unmerited favor of God, I have journeyed to you. No, right, yeah. that doesn't line up. But by the power to travel through hard situations and overcome hard circumstances, I have journeyed to you. By the power of God to overcome my flesh nature, I am now become an apostle. By the power of God to overcome my weakness of speech, I am now become an eloquent speaker of the gospel. That makes sense. It is the power to become. So the greatest revelation of grace is God gives you the power to become what you could not be on your own strength. Amen. Yes, sir. That's fivefold. Fivefold is God says the church is going to be mature, united, and fully manifest the nature of Jesus. The only way the church can do that is if God takes part of his nature, puts it on people who will then manifest him, explain him, and exemplify him. So that that nature upon five different classifications, that nature upon five different types of voices in the body of Christ. Why five? Because God wants us to always understand that no one person has the fullness of him alone. In the fullness of family, we display his nature. Fullness of family. Fullness of family. So the fivefold is God saying to the entire body of Christ, without family, you will not become mature. That's so good. It reminds me of uh, Shake the Nations the other day when you said mm. uh, the spirit of prophecy to turn yes. hearts to sons to fathers. Yes, sir. Similar concept. It, very much so. Now, that was such a powerful broadcast that we dug into. And just to highlight that again, because it goes with what we're saying. What we were touching on and talking about was the idea that the nature of the prophetic at the root of it is to turn the hearts of fathers to their sons. So the hearts of those in the older generation back to mentoring, discipling, raising up. But it turns the hearts of the younger generation to being fathered, mothered, yes. led into deeper places. Excuse me. It's the recreating of family. It's good. 
if ministry is mature, family is created. If ministry is immature, family is destroyed. Okay. Well, it's either or. It's either or. (laughs) It's never, it's the kingdom is never stagnant. Right. It's never on pause. You're either moving in the right direction or you're automatically moving backwards. Right. Like a living organism, either living or dying. It's not. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So the question becomes, are you following God or are you following you? Mm -hmm. Because you're automatically following somebody, which is why when God would show up with Moses, he would ask a simple question. (laughs) God shows up and says, hey, I need y'all to divide into two camps. Everybody for Moses, stand over here. (laughs) Everybody for Korah, stand over here. Now, who's for who? We like Moses. God says, good choice, good choice. We like Korah. And the Lord goes, good choice. And then the ground (laughs) opens up. We don't understand that in the kingdom of God, there is no middle ground. You have either made a choice or you've made a choice. Right. You're either moving forward or you're moving anti the will of God. In in action. Is action. Right, yeah. Yes, yes. So a choice, a decision must be made. A decision must be made. And to not make a decision is to to make make a decision. decision. Yes, sir. I also like what you're saying about family in this season. For me, in in part of the, uh, with COVID and the quarantine, you know, we're trying to move so fast and progress. One of the, the main points of reference for me the Lord has given is, Make sure your family is mm. strong and strengthened. Your immediate yes. family, um, your relatives. I, we're all looking for, you know, I can't wait to get back in the building to uh, lay hands on everybody. So when's the last time you laid hands on your family? When's come on. Your mother, your father. Come on, sir. Your sisters, your brothers, yes. your aunts, your uncles. And then then moving on from there. Absolutely. I believe that the Lord's been speaking that to me. You know, he says, make sure your family strength and mm. make sure you're ministering to those around yes. you. Yes. And I think so that's one of the things he's been trying to relay to mm. us. I believe that. You don't have to be moving here and there. If you create and cultivate family, yes. God-fearing family and walking out as you should be walking, honoring mm. those ministry and life in the river of God will flow from that. Absolutely. And uh, so I, when you say that the uh, in the fullness of family, I believe that's totally what the Lord is speaking right now. Yes. Well, I'm in complete agreement because it's actually where we're going today. Mm -hmm. The whole idea today, we're going to talk about the pitfalls Mm -hmm. of the different fivefold offices or the different classifications of ministry. That all comes down to building healthy family. Mm -hmm. If you're not building healthy family, then the cycles of failure repeat themselves every generation. And you end up getting stuck in generational cycles. Now, I don't call it generational bondage, and I don't call it necessarily generational devils. I don't think that as a believer, you're passing your devil's on every, you know, 10 years. What I do believe is what becomes your normal gets reproduced in your family. Sure. And if you don't recognize that your normal is not kingdom balanced, then you will give your children a bad model. Mm -hmm. You'll teach your neighbors a bad model. And so now we have to come back to what is the family of God? The family of God is now how I function. So the family of God, the original model is father, son, spirit. That is the original family. Out of the original family, God then says, I need to reproduce an earthly model that looks like the heavenly house. 
So God makes a man and out of his side brings a woman. Then they shall go forth and reproduce, replenish, multiply. So this now becomes kingdom model in the earth. You now reproduce family in the earth, but your family will see your normal and reproduce it. So what was the normal? Adam was walking in dominion. From the mouth of Adam and Eve, everything received its name, its identity, and its authority. Under the feet of Adam and Eve, resources, riches, and ability rested underneath them. The Bible says the gold, the onyx, um, diamond, and beryl were underneath their feet. So resources were underneath their feet. They stood on the foundation of plenty. They stood on the foundation of increase. They stood on the foundation of multiplication. Nobody had a need. The second part that goes with it is they met with God daily. So here's this man and this woman who in the cool of the day, Adam meets with God in the cool of the day. The foundation of family for Adam and Eve was Adam's encounter with God created conversations with Eve. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like so Adam encounters God because it never said that Eve was with him when he talked to God face to face. When he then met with God, that was on purpose. It did not mean she was less than Adam. It meant the continuation of the kingdom model requires Adam, what you hear from God, go and repeat. Why? Because I'm making you the priest of your house. To be the priest and the prophet of your house, you have to hear and see something she has not so that you can reproduce it. When you tell her what you've seen and heard, what is Eve going to do? She now builds faith. She built faith that the priest met with God. She builds faith that the prophet heard God. She builds faith that her husband can cover her. So good. Bro. She now has this internally in agreement with the word of God, the mind of God and the spirit of God that she now turns and breathes on her children. So her children become like her and her husband. So now we see the continual flow of God is the husband, the priest is in the face of God. The wife is in the face of the husband. The children are in the face of the mother, which means every single person can only become what is replicated in the face of the person they talk to. Wow, that's face to face. Face to face. Wow, so good. I love that. I've never heard that before. <laughs> yes, sir. But that totally, wow, it's revelation right there. So it goes in line with what you were saying. Right. So God now says, the greatest joy I have is knowing, I love this. He says, the greatest joy I have, I believe it's John writing later, is to hear that my children walk in truth. Mm. This is now the revelation of God. God says, the greatest joy I have is that Adam walks like me, that Eve walks so, like Adam, uh, yes. that the children walk like their parents. Yes. So the greatest joy I have is that the voice is released unchanged. Wow, what a great model. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah. inspiring for me. Yes, sir. If the voice is unchanged, the image is unmarred. Ooh. 
That's why he says, as long as you live, don't add anything to this gospel. Don't take anything from it. Because if the voice is unchanged, the image is unmarred. Why? Because the image of him, lo, I come in the volume of the book, O God, to do thy will. It is written of me. So Jesus says, my image is in the word. So if you just give people the word, not your opinion, not your denomination, not your own take on it. If you give people the word with a pure heart, we will all see it incorrectly at some time based on our own emotions or thoughts. But if the heart is right, God shaves off the edges of your own insecurities and mistakes and will let Jesus be seen fully in the beauty of the book so so that his image can be reproduced. And that's where you see the fivefold also comes in to represent the the images. Yes. To reflect back to us what it's supposed to look like and that's how we gain balance. That's exactly. Well, because if the fivefold is functioning as it should, then each one of those fivefold, now that's the beauty of family, Each one of us, not just one person, not just one classification, not just one group, but if we are healthily walking together, then if the apostle starts to get a little off, then when the prophet shows up, the prophet begins to speak and it brings the apostle back to the face-to-face image. If the teacher starts to get into some strange teaching, then when the evangelist shows up, it pulls the teacher back into center. When the pastor begins to stand up and he might just want to get comfortable or focused on the people, then when the apostle shows up, it brings the pastor back into that place of building and right alignment. So the five speaking at the same time, not only keep each other safe, they keep each other in the image. Yes. Because my one version of him won't work in this family when all five of us have a different perspective. So when all five of us begin to speak, we wash each other by the washing of the water of the word so that here at the pool of Salom, here at the pools of Bethesda, here at the steps of Solomon, here at the five cities to be conquered, we each one speak what God is saying and it brings us out of that one singular place of my own opinion into the full community place of the family. And the family all knows what God looks like because the family saw him together. Wow. And that's how God keeps us balanced. Fantastic. So outside of fivefold, we are not balanced. Mm. We don't see him correctly. And that's where we must have the bond of peace and humility to be able to be submitted one to another. Yes. That we can receive and be able to be able to have that family because there has to be humility in the midst of that. Absolutely. You you know this. I know this growing up. There are times when as a child growing up, my idea of my mother or father may have been, well, I thought they were a little mean because, you know, I got spanked for doing something <laughs> dumb or um, I got grounded for something. But the person who brought the greatest balance to me was not my mother or father. The greatest balance in my perspective was brought by my brother. Oh, wow. Because when I was convinced they were unjust, my brother would say to me, now, you know what you did was dumb, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, dad might have whooped you, but you realize, you realize you were wrong, right? Yeah, I know I was wrong. Okay. Okay. 
See, what we forget is it's the entire family together that gets our perspective back into balance. There are times when I may have been mad at dad, but mama's words help me see daddy differently. I'm upset with mama, but daddy's words change my perspective. I'm mad at my brother, but my parents' words get me back into a place of peace with my brother. I'm upset with my parents, but my brother's words, but the entire family, that's what fivefold is. When the whole family is functioning in a place of health, then we all keep each other from getting wrong perspectives, perceptions, and mindsets so that we don't get stuck. That's what we've been missing for so long. That sounds to me like what the Lord is doing in the midst of his churches right now. Yes. Yes, sir. I believe that. Yeah. Now, my goodness, we've almost gone (laughs) the length of one already. So I'm just going to throw this out here. That becomes now, we talked about the pitfalls. So I just want to throw this out here and get this in your spirit. For each one of the fivefold ministries, there is a pitfall that you have to be careful of. And we're going to dig into the depths on the next one. Okay. But I'm going to throw it out here because I want y'all to be thinking about it. So what is the pitfall of the apostolic? The pitfall of the apostolic is anger. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. The pitfall of the prophetic is offense. The pitfall of evangelist is discouragement or burnout. That's the phrase I love. Okay. The pitfall of pastors is weariness. And the pitfall of teachers is pride. In each one of those places, if you disconnect from the rest of the fivefold ministry so that there can be a continual balance for you. And I don't mean looking for people who simply agree with your take on doctrine. You're looking for people who have the same heart in God, but have a balanced view of scripture. And they will keep you balanced. Why anger? For the apostles, often anger becomes the pitfall. Because for the apostolic, once you begin to, for apostles, those who are moving in that place, if you're not careful, you move into a place of control. And you begin to get angry with people because after everything we told you God said, after we've been building this long and nothing's changed. Now this anger rises because instead of finding out why people are stuck, you get mad that they're not growing. I see. Anger. For prophets, they have to be careful of the spirit of offense because for prophets, where it gets very dangerous is prophets want to see people once the revelation is released. If you know God said it, and you know God sent me. Right. What's your problem? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so when they see hearts not changing, they get offended. Now, this is important because prophets tie themselves to their prophecy. I see. So prophets begin to think if you reject the ministry, you rejected me. me. I see. So there's this offense that rises. Okay where the prophetic gets offended, which is why we have different prophetic camps, which is why we have 10 different kinds of prophetic streams all across the nation where these prophets over here, um, they love you know, the shouts, the loudness, the sound, and we're all rolling on the floor. 
But these prophets over here, they want to just sit in corners and love the Lord and just whisper to his name and he's sweet and he's holy and he's marvelous. But these prophets over here, they got angel feathers in every meeting. And, and mm -hmm. if there's no angel feathers and God's not moving, but these prophets over here, it's all about the great signs and wonders and people getting snatched out of wheelchairs. And But these prophets over here have no signs, but they're all writing books about the future. And it's all about what's going to happen in the nations. And But these prophets over here, they all have deep dreams and all the only way God speaks to them is dreams. No signs, no wonders, no miracles, no encounters, just dreams. So every time they get together, they're telling dreams for two hours sure. and people are writing down their dreams. How did we get prophetic camps? We got prophetic camps because the prophets got offended at each other because you didn't receive the way I flow. So I'm convinced you don't receive me. So I've got to separate from the rest of the prophets and build a camp where my style of the prophetic is celebrated. Okay. And that's where we get division. See, this is the stuff, you know, we were just so talking. Good. This this is 18 years old. This is not <laughs> new for me. But I know many of y'all are hearing this going, right. I've never heard this yeah, before. I haven't heard that, yeah, that, but it totally makes sense. So this is why apostles cannot get into a place of anger because when you get into a place of anger, you'll destroy what you've already built. And then you segregate yourself. Then you segregate. Prophets cannot live in the place of offense. You've got to realize you've got to have the heart of reconciliation, oh, yeah. the heart of a okay. father. Okay. Because if you don't, the moment you get offended deep enough, you will separate and go find your kind of prophets to run with. And you'll never run with any other kind. Which is what we had for years. The evangelist. Oh, I love the evangelist. But what's the problem with evangelists? Burnout. Every evangelist wants a new program. Let's go to the park and preach. Let's go to the hospitals and preach. Let's find out every high school and go. Let's go to the prisons and preach. Let's figure out how to win them, win them, win them, get them, get them, get them, <laughs> clean them, clean them, clean them. Now that's great. But most evangelists outside of five-fold relationship burn out. They burn out in ministry, which is why if you really look down through history, most evangelists, national evangelists, their ministries only lasted eight to 10 years. You didn't hear them too much after that. Why? They burned out. Burnout is the result of I'm running faster than God. I see. Or I haven't built a team around me that can slow me down. I see. That's, but why? Because you're convinced if you don't do it, it won't be done. Right. Now that's pride. Mm. That is an integral battle of your own pride. You're convinced the church doesn't love people like I love them. Souls don't matter to anybody else like they matter to me. Nobody loves this city as much as I love it. So if I don't go, they're all going to hell. Now you've become their savior mm -hmm. rather than the voice. That's good. And so for evangelists, you've got to keep yourself connected with fivefold that can balance you so that you have to have someone in your life who can say to you, I'm glad you've been on your 32nd ministry trip in 32 weeks. But when's the last time you sat down with your wife? Sure. When's the last time you took your kids out to play? When, when evangelism consumes you, you are out of order. Ministry should not consume. The only thing that consumes us is our passion for Jesus, not our particular type of ministry. When your own particular type of ministry consumes you, 
when I've got to prophesy to everybody who walks by, no matter what. Yeah, define consume. Okay. Consume means I am controlled by the thing I was sent to deliver. So rather than simply delivering prophetic words, I cannot leave this restaurant until I prophesy to that person over there. It's the kind of person who you just are going to the gas station. All you want to do is get some gas. We just try to get some gas. We just need to get a soda before we head up the road. And you've got the one guy in the car who leaps out of the car and runs over to the people over here. And I've got to get a soul saved before we leave this gas station. But the Lord didn't tell you to do that. Right. That is now you are consumed by that. Why? You now have a soul issue where you are being controlled by your own ministry. Why? Because you're not yet mature. Because the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Your gift will follow you. But if you are following your gift, that means you're still not healed because you're looking for recognition. Approval, I see. It. Yes, sir. But what it, well, what the word says, raise the sick, heal the dead. These are just standing words for us to uh, do at all time. I mean, this is, this is who we are. This is who we are. Right. It is not, okay, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out devils. Um, if you drink any deadly thing, it won't harm you. All of those things are God's description of who we are and God's command of the revelation of a people who are now supernatural. Right. It is not God's command of what you're supposed to do 24 hours a day. Okay. How do we know that? Because when you look at the early church, all of them kept their wives and their children. They still worked jobs. Right. Peter was still fishing. Yeah. Paul was still making tents. They were still going to birthday parties and celebrations because the Bible says, uh, when he wrote, he said, I'm writing to the church that's in her house where I stayed the last time I was there. Mm. They still built relationships. Right. Oh, Timothy, I remind you of the gifts that are in you by the laying on of my hands, which you received of your grandmother and your mother and of me. So there was relationships so being it. built. There was families being fostered. Right. He was the making of, he made tents. That word for tent is not like a camping tent. It's the word for hoopah. So Paul made wedding tents. He made the veils that they stood under. Cool. So Paul was building relationships with every Jewish family by being the guy who made the one thing they needed for the wedding. How cool is that? If we understood that they continually kept building family yes. relationship, they kept healthy boundaries, then we'd understand if you're driven by ministry, you will get out of balance. If you're driven by Jesus, you'll always be where you need to be with the people you should be doing the thing he's called you to do. Wow, so good. Yes, sir. Wow. That was That's, enlightening right there. That was a good question you had, though. For pastors, what gets most pastors in trouble is weariness. And what do I mean by that? Weariness is very simple because most pastors make it a personal endeavor to see their people grow. Now, that's good. The problem with that is weariness. Be not weary in well-doing. When you don't see people changing to the degree you think they should, you get burdened down. You make the people your burden. You take it personally. They haven't changed yet. They haven't grown. We're still struggling with issues. And now pastors who should be able to just continually interacting if the Lord gave you 50 people that he wants you to interact with, then keep the joy of the Lord among those 50 and raise them up. 
But if you start to take on the model that I need to be the next big American church, and this is the results I need to look successful, you're going to be weary. Because at the end of the year, you're going to be doing nine things God never called you to do. Right. So for most pastors, don't get weary in well-doing. Do what God's called you to do. Love the ones in front of you and keep it simple. Help them grow who want to grow. And for the teacher, the problem with most teachers, why do I say their battle is pride? Because for a lot of teachers, if they don't stay in the word of God, what they're doing, many of our good teachers, they're all looking for the next revelation to wow the crowd. When you get into a place where you're trying to wow the crowd, you're trying to amaze the crowd, you're trying to blow up the room, you're going to start looking for strange never heard before, never preached before revelations. At that point, your pride takes over because you're trying to prove to people, see, nobody ever taught this before. Mm. Nobody ever said that before. I know something you don't know. Nah, 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 nah. And when you bring something strange all the time, you're going to move into a place of error, pride, heresy, because you're trying to prove to the room you heard something nobody else heard right. because you're trying to, again, win value. And that's when teachers get into a place of you need the rest of the fivefold around you to say to good teachers, uh, where did you get that from? Is that biblical? Does it line up with the early church doctrine? Does it line up with the first 300 years of church history? If it doesn't line up with church doctrine, church history and biblical text, don't teach that. You need fivefold around good pastors who will say to them, now, don't you get weary. You need to go on a three-week vacation. You need to let the prophet and the apostle come into your church, give you a vacation, and let them just blow up everything stuck in your house so that when you come back, the stuff you're fighting against that you're not called to war against, right. the prophet and the apostle can put their shoulder to the plow, push that boulder out the way. You come back in and the people have been shifted and you can go back to pastoring them. You need fivefold in place so that when the evangelist is getting so burdened down and burnt out, you need an apostle and a prophet who can come in and say to the evangelist, you know what? The Lord is saying to us, you're getting a little too focused on works, on the notches on the belt on getting out there and telling people how many souls got saved in your last meeting. So what we would suggest to you is you take about 30 days off, don't go anywhere, stay home with your family and lay hands on your kids and your wife and pray together and minister together and get healthy. And we will go and do that next conference, convention, whatever you had scheduled, you stay home. We'll go in your place. You still get the credit, it's your ministry. Nobody cares about that. But God says the next 30 days you stay home. A good pastor in the life of that evangelist would say, and for the next 30 days, I'm going to come over every three days, sit with you and your wife. We're going to take communion together. And I'm going to share some scriptures to get a pastoral covering back over the two of you. Get you healthy again. The teacher would come back to the evangelist and say, I'm going to open up the scriptures on evangelism again and just share my heart. You don't teach me. Let me teach you and wash your mind free from all of the need to be celebrated. If the fivefold works together, when the prophet is getting to the place where they're getting offended that this city, these people, this church isn't listening, then a good apostle would come along and say to the prophet, my brother, 
Something is just pushing you faster than God wants to push you. So why don't you just sit down, stop focusing on what's wrong with the people, and let's ask the Lord to reveal his plan. Apostles get plans. His plan for this area, because you've stopped hearing God's plan, you're only seeing their problems. So let me help refocus you. The pastor who's in that area would come to the prophet and say, my brother, it's been a long time since I've seen you just open the word for the word's sake. You're always getting a word for others. So let's just ask God, what is he saying for you and for your family? A good teacher would come along and say, hey, prophet, you know that such and such you taught, that was good, but let's dig through it because you're so busy prophesying the next thing, you haven't even let what you prophesied affect you. Let's break it open. And a good evangelist would say, Prophet, your problem is you're running faster than the people can catch up. So how about you stop trying to make them run at 70 miles an hour and let me do the evangelistic work of setting fires in their camps so that their hearts can begin to burn with this revelation you're throwing out because mm. you're hooked up as a funnel. But most people only have, I call it a quart capacity. Sure. But you've got a gallon mouth. <laughs> yeah. So prophets have this gallant mouth. People have court capacity and we're mad that people hadn't caught up. The apostle looks at the people and goes, I'm sick of this. I'm ready to build. How come we're not building? How come we're not doing something different? But a prophet <laughs> comes along and says, my brother, the Lord has spoken to me that what you saw is right, but this needs to be moved. This needs to be broken. And we need to heal this before any of that can manifest. A pastor comes along and says, Hey, apostle, what you saw was good, but you know, the people's families have been destroyed or divorce is an issue or suicide is a problem in this region. Can we come love on the people for the next six months and get them healthy so that they can catch up to what you're seeing? An evangelist comes along and says, what you saw was good as a building plan for this city. But do you realize there hasn't been many souls saved here in 10 years? Can we just pray and see a breakthrough come and get into the parks and go into the high schools. And a teacher comes along and says, that plan you had is good. But do you realize nobody even understands what faith is? I see. You realize nobody even understands what grace is? You're preaching concepts. They don't even understand character. Right, that's good. So when the fivefold works together, we not only slow each other down so that everybody can move together, we keep each other safe so that we don't make the people the problem or time an enemy. That's where we've got to get to. And that's what I keep seeing and hearing if we walk together, how we can build successfully and not fall into the pitfalls of the past or the issues of warring against each other when we should be building yeah. together. This is part of the Lord, I believe, is correcting and displacing and helping yes. us pivot to where we need to be. Yes, sir. All, I believe that. I believe that too. Amen. Yes, sir. I, I, I think the Lord Absolutely. got it out. Yeah. Very good. Very good. There's a lot to chew on that. Yes, sir. Well, Patrick, close us yeah. out. Well, Father, we just say thank you for this time, Lord. We just say thank you for this word coming forth yes. and being released, Lord, by your prophet Michael. And Father, thank we just you, open our hearts to it, Lord. We receive that word, Father. Anything in us that needs a pivot or shift yes. or uh, whatever we, uh, we walk in, be it the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, or teacher, 
wherever you have us, Father, Lord, speak to us, Father. Yes. Let these words fall on our hearts, Lord. That way we can come into alignment with the fivefold and that which you are speaking over us, yes, over our, our personal body, over our, our families, and over our corporate bodies, wherever we may be, Lord. Help us and give us ears to hear what it is that you are aligning, moving, and shifting to bring balance and peace yes. and thus your power, Lord. So, Father, we just settle our hearts on that today. Yes, and yes. we just say thank you that you are moving, Lord. Thank you that your mind and your 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 eye is on your people in this very moment, Lord. Yes, Lord. And you have great plans for them. And, Father, we just continue to look at you, mm. you the image of Christ, Father. We look yes, at you yes. and continue to shape us, mold us to walk after your Son. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.